series of sermons called The Kingdom. We started these uh, just, a, uh, just a week after New Year's, and uh, the idea here is that when we think about the kingdom of God, we often have this consideration like we are going to go to the kingdom of God. Oftentimes we think the kingdom of God being heaven. But Jesus says something exactly opposite from all of that. He's, he tells us in many different places uh, that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here now. In fact, he speaks to his disciples in that way. And so over the last few weeks, we've been, been looking at what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is actually here instead of there? Have you ever thought about that in a moment that, and just understanding that when Jesus comes to us and he offers for us to have salvation, what he's offering to us is the keys to the kingdom. In fact, today we talk about the keys to the kingdom. In fact, that's, those are the very things that we're going to be talking about today. But when we speak about this and we talk about these things, we have to ask ourselves some very simple questions. And that is, number one, is that how do we receive the keys to the kingdom? Jesus is very clear to us that salvation is only possible through him. He is the way, the truth, and the light. No man shall enter into heaven except through him, through Jesus himself. But when we talk about these very things, when we talk about this idea of the kingdom, we have to understand that this idea of kingdom is much bigger than just we are going to heaven someday. There's a reason why Jesus came to this earth, and that was to have us uh, to die on the cross for us, to have our sins forgiven, to give us redemption because we couldn't get it on our own. But this idea, this word salvation, this idea of being born again, if you will, for if I could use that phrase, is a very interesting word. A few years ago, I was, uh, when I say a few years ago, see, this is interesting. As you get older and you start saying a few years ago, that doesn't mean just like last year. That means like 10, 15 years ago, right? And so a few years ago, when I say a few years ago, I'm saying when I, when I actually taught and, and was a youth leader at a church. Now, understand, we've been here for 18 years. So this is 18 plus years ago, uh, a few years ago. Um, I had a young child, a young, uh, it wasn't child actually, but uh, she came up to me in the middle of youth group and she goes, Jason, I just got to ask you a question. I said, what's that? And she goes, what does it mean to be born again? I don't understand that process. I don't understand what scripture is talking about. And I said, well, let's go to this verse and let's read this verse. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to read the very same words that we read, uh, that I read to this young lady many years ago. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. This has absolutely nothing to do with this sermon, but I I need to point this out. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. The Pharisees are the very ones that want to sacrifice or kill Jesus. They don't like what he's saying. They don't like what he's doing. They feel like what he is saying is blasphemy, and so they're trying to come after him. 
But then we find that Nicodemus actually approaches Jesus. When did Nicodemus approach Jesus? At night. Yes, whoever said that. Thank you. Uh, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. See, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because he doesn't want to come to them during the day. Because he, he knows that if he approaches Jesus during the day, someone's going to ask this question. Why are you saying this? And not only that, did Nicodemus not only approach him at night, but he calls him rabbi, which is teacher. This wasn't a term that any old Jewish Pharisee would use for another person that they didn't like. So we know that Nicodemus is seriously questioning his faith at this point. He's asking himself, how can this be? How can this guy come? How can this teacher come And so he's actually saying, Teacher, we know that you come from God. For no one can do these signs that that you do unless God is with them. He goes on to say, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I'm going to pause there just for another second. You know, we are accused oftentimes in church of using what I like to call Christianese, language that only people who have been inside the church understand. This term, born again, Nicodemus is getting this term. Jesus is telling him this, but Nicodemus is going, wait, whoa, 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 slow down here. How does that happen? How are you born again? How is that even, that's not possible. Now, Nicodemus has seen Jesus do some amazing miracles, so this is a fair question for Nicodemus to ask. Because he has seen Jesus heal the blind, he's seen him uh, heal the paralyzed, he's seen him do all kinds of different things, and now Nicodemus is saying, wait, how can a man be born when he is old? Jesus answers Nicodemus by saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do you see anywhere in this verse where it says, one cannot enter heaven? No, it says the kingdom of God. Now, we understand that heaven is the kingdom of God, but I want you to make sure you understand when Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, he is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Keep that in your mind for a moment. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus was simply asking the question to Jesus, I don't understand how another man can be born again. What Jesus is really speaking to Nicodemus is not only do you need to be born again, but I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you a way to have connection with me. I'm giving you a way to have something so brilliantly on this earth that you will never be able to grasp all of it. Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. Now back to my story. As I was sharing with this young lady, I was telling her, I said, Listen, you cannot be born again. It's not a physical process of being born again into a, your mother's womb or any of the, uh, anything like that. What this truly means is that when Jesus comes and he makes a difference and you understand what he did on that cross and you receive salvation, what's happening is that Jesus is restarting, if you will, your life, your spiritual life. 
Jesus is saying, listen, I'm giving you an opportunity right here and right now to put aside all of the things, the debt, the sin, the the weight of all of that that you have had upon you and give you the keys to the kingdom. Let's stop and pray and then we'll finish on and continue on. If you'll pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to have our sins forgiven. We pray and thank you that you redeem us by your blood and your sacrifice and what you did on that cross. But we thank you that it's not just a ticket to a futuristic place that we'll get to see someday when we die, but it is actually the keys to the kingdom in which you want us to live in today in this place. So Father, ask, I ask that you help us, Lord Jesus, to understand this, to grasp this idea of what it means to be born again, what it means to have salvation in you, and what it means for the kingdom of God here on this earth, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done, all that you will do. We pray that you would remove any hindrances and stumbling blocks that would keep us from hearing from you. And I ask you that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words. And Holy Spirit, that you would come and give us the wisdom that we need to hear from you and to hear from Scripture and what it would have to say to us today. We love you, we glorify you, and we honor you, and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what does it truly mean to be born again? What is it meant by? What does Jesus mean when he says being born again? Well, I kind of gave it away a little bit, but it is simply the regeneration, the new process of a spiritual life. See, what we often don't think about and what we often don't understand fully is that we are both physical, but we are also spiritual. We have a spiritual side of us. We have a physical side of us. And those two play together very, very closely inside of us as human beings. And so when we come before Jesus, and we have this, maybe some of you here already today have asked Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior. If you have done that, that's a wonderful thing. That's called salvation. Now, for many years, what I have heard and what I have believed or what I understood was that that meant that we have the ability to enter into heaven at another day, the day that we die, the day that Jesus decides or God himself decides that we would take our last breath and we'd enter into heaven. That is true. Salvation does open up that door for us to have that time frame. It does give us that ability to say, okay, from this point forward, I can be secured. When my life is over here on this earth, then I will enter into heaven if my sins are forgiven by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. But what we miss with that assumption, what we miss with all of that is that we miss out on that there is a beautiful picture that Jesus is painting for us that there's more than just some futuristic place. It's more than just a ticket to ride to heaven when we die. When you receive Jesus Christ in your heart, when you accept him and you are saved again, what that means is that your eyes are open to the kingdom of God. You are spiritually being regenerated so that you can see Jesus and his kingdom here on this earth. Not futuristic, not at a later time, but right here, right now in this place. Jesus is trying to share this with Nicodemus. Nicodemus isn't quite getting it. What do you mean? How do I be born again? How can, I, how can a man be born again when he's so old? Nicodemus is asking the questions that maybe many of you have floating around in your head. Nicodemus didn't really understand that it wasn't a physical, but more of a spiritual. 
Nicodemus was focusing on how is that physically possible instead of realizing that my spiritual, it's very possible, spiritually speaking, that we have this happen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we do not prophesy, did, did we not prophesy, excuse me, in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do, and do many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, uh, when I was 16 years old, and I read this verse. This was the most depressing verse I'd ever read in my whole entire life. And it scared me so much so that I think for about a year and a half, Every night before I prayed, as I said my, my, my prayers in my bed, as I was getting ready to fall asleep, Lord, please accept you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wanted to make sure that I was not one of these. And so for a year, I'm praying this prayer and I'm asking these things. It's, uh, it really is, if you think about this, think about just for a moment. Now listen, I could become, you know, I could quickly enter into the hell and brimstone uh, pastor who leans over and says, you must be saved, and do all of those things. And those are things that we probably all have experienced before. But honestly, this is a sad verse. The very people who call him Lord, Lord, who think they're going to enter into the kingdom of God, does not. On that day, many will say to me, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you. What Jesus is saying actually here in this verse is that there is a regeneration that happens. There is an actual process that when we're born again, we have to make sure that that process has happened. Jesus also says this very interesting to me. As you look at this verse, you see a couple, uh, a few things. I'm sorry, I'll jump over here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the what? The kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not only talking about the kingdom here on earth, but he's also talking about the kingdom in heaven. We understand, hopefully from the last few weeks of, of the sermon series, is that the kingdom is not only here, but the kingdom is also in heaven, because that is where the kingdom is fulfilled, in heaven, where he is. Wherever God reigns is where the kingdom of God can be. So if Jesus reigns in your life, the kingdom of God can be here right now. If the kingdom, if God reigns in this place, in this church, that means the kingdom of God can be here. But it's also completely fulfilled, 100% fulfilled in heaven, wherever that might be. But we have to ask this question, who gets the keys of the kingdom? Have you ever asked yourself, am I truly saved? Do you ever read this verse and ask yourself, take a step back and say, am I truly saved? Am I truly the one? Am I going to wake up one day after taking my last breath here, my eyes, I take my last breath here, I enter into heaven, and the Lord looks at me and says, depart from me, I never knew you. What a strikingly difficult and sad thought that is. See, what I believe happens too often times is that as Jesus is speaking to his disciples and speaking to us, he's telling us that there is a change that happens to us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ and there has been a change, then you don't have to worry about this verse. 
Jesus is mentioning to this and saying, listen, you can, but there are people that say, Lord, Lord, these are the very people that possibly were up and singing and knew every word to the worship songs we sang. They may even know how to pray. But yet has the change happened inside their heart? Has the kingdom of God entered inside of them or are they left to remain the same? See, the truth of the matter is, is if you're the same Monday through Saturday, and your life hasn't changed, but then you come to church on Sunday and sing these praises, but nothing has changed, then you have to ask yourself, what has really changed? See, the kingdom of God changes not just your Sunday, it changes every single day of your life. It changes the way you work. It changes the way that you talk. It changes the way that you act. And in addition to all of that, it not only changes all of those things, but there's a purpose. If we understand salvation not to mean a ticket to heaven someday, some futuristic day when we die. But if we understand that the salvation in Jesus Christ means that we get to experience the kingdom here, why is God's kingdom not growing here on this earth? It's not growing here on this earth because we, as those who hold the keys to the kingdom, are not doing the work to win the kingdom here in this place. It's not God who's to blame for his kingdom not growing here. It's us because God incorporates, he, he enlists, if you will, us into his kingdom when we accept him as Jesus Christ, as our Savior. I heard once someone say that every person who has a truly, true, who has a true conversion with Jesus Christ is called into full-time ministry. Now you may be stopping going, wait, how is that going to be possible? Chad's already looking at, or Chad, <laughs> Chaz is already looking at me saying, how's that possible? I work at Goodyear and I like, I think he likes his job most of the time. <laughs> so how's that possible? It's very possible. See, we have made it here. The, the, the problem with all of this is that we have made salvation a individual futuristic option that's going to happen when we accept Jesus Christ. Instead of being truly what it is, and that's the opening of the doors of the kingdom here on this earth. If we understand that salvation is the view of kingdom here on this earth, then what happens is that you and I walk in the kingdom wherever we go, wherever God reigns in our life. So if we go to work, we can actually take the kingdom of God with us to our job. That means that we are called into full-time ministry. There's no person in this room that has not, that unless you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him, you are called into work. You're called into the kingdom of God. That means you must represent Jesus on your job. You represent Jesus in your daily day, uh, daily routine. You represent Jesus in the school. You represent Jesus in the grocery store. You represent Jesus in the community. Everywhere you go, you are a representative of Jesus because you are in his kingdom. It is his kingdom. Many years ago, in the dark ages of this land, it was very easy to understand this concept. Kingdoms, princes and kings and queens were very much still around. And when you would say, where do you heed from? Where do you come from? You would say, I come from this place. And that place would be named by the king or queen or the family in charge in that area. It was notified so that when you came to that place, if war came to that place, guess what? Everyone would take arms because you wanted to protect your place. That's so cute. I love babies. <laughs> and so we would, you would take arms. You would, go to, you would go to war for your area, your territory that you lived in, but you would be known by the soldier of that area. Today, it's not much different, right? We live in the great country of the United States of America, 
right? If someone tried to attack us, what would happen? We would all take arms, right? We'd all go do what we'd have to do, and we'd be representing what? One nation. Our Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God, right? That's what it says. There's a reason why one nation under God. That's, see, God is not repeating to, or we're not, what we are doing here in the United States, we are blessed that we lived in a country that we, we're blessed that we live in the country that we live in because we were built on principles, the kingdom principle, if you will. Our forefathers knew that. And so when they built this country, they built it much like the idea of the kingdom of God. And so when we look at this and we understand that we would take arms for our country, we'd stand up, it is nothing less than what we should do if we are believers in Jesus Christ. Because right now, let me be very honest with you, right now, the kingdom of God is under attack like never before. It doesn't take very long to realize this. It doesn't take very much to step back and understand that this is really happening. One of my favorite authors and one of my favorite uh, sports person, Tony Dungy, uh, I don't know if you've paid any attention lately, but he uh, made a public stance for being a Christian and a public stance on what he believes is scriptural, and I would agree with him. And so he made this public stand against alternative lifestyles and also the right for life, and he is currently now being bombarded everywhere you look. Yesterday, before many of the football games, you heard people pronouncing that he should no longer be on those announcements. He shouldn't be a telecaster because of his personal stance of what he means. The kingdom of God is under attack. And we need Christians who are not just futuristically waiting for their time to punch their ticket to heaven to get there, to stand up and say, now is the time that we need to be part of the kingdom. Now is the time that we have a job to play. Now is the time that we have to go into our communities and change. Now listen, Jesus didn't tell us to pick up our guns and go into the community, although if it has to, right? Maybe that's what they would have done. Peter did what? When, when he came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulls out the sword, slice off the ear, and Jesus says, stop! And he heals this man's ear. Jesus changed his community and changed the people around him by doing the works that was called to him, by loving his community, by sharing and being peaceful with those around him, by going in and doing miracles and doing these things. God calls us, Jesus calls us that when we partake in his kingdom, there is one of my favorite verses. Nothing is what? Nothing is impossible with who? God. That's right. Why is it not impossible? There's nothing impossible with God because when we enter into his kingdom, he gives us the power to be part of his kingdom. He gives us the strength to do these things. Let's go back to John chapter 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want to make sure that you understand something. I am not, I know over the past few weeks I've made statements like we have focused too much on salvation, we have focused too much on all of those things. I want you to understand that I am not against salvation. In fact, I'm so for it. Every Sunday we give an opportunity for people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But what I'm saying here today and right now, I have to, and I want to repeat here, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, not just, not just the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God. 
And so when we accept Jesus Christ, it's not the end until we die and go to heaven. No, it's the beginning of something amazing. It's the beginning of the kingdom of God being in our eyes. It's when we can see those things. Jesus says to Nicodemus that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, the salvation event that happens in our life happens to open up our eyes and remove the scales so we can see the kingdom of God here. But we have too often made it as something of just about the futuristic and not for the current. What I'm asking you to do today is remove that idea that this is just going to be when I die and go to heaven and that it is for right here, right now, in this place. You all have, we all have work to do. We all have a place. When you enter into the kingdom of God, when you accept Jesus Christ for who he is, what you are truly doing is accepting him and the call that he has on your life to enter into this kingdom, to make a difference in your community, to make a difference in your family, to make a difference in your job, to make a difference in all the places where you're at. This is the most, I think, overlooked thing that happens in Christianity today. We have somehow made salvation as a narcissistic event that just changes my personal place in heaven, that guarantees me. And is all of that true? Yes. Jesus came to die for you. That is absolutely 100% true. Did he die on that cross for you? Yes, he did. Did he take the pain and suffering of that cross? He certainly did. Did he redeem your life through that cross? He absolutely did. Are your sins forgiven because of what he did on that cross? Absolutely. But it doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. It starts right here and now. It starts in this place. This kingdom that Jesus is talking about is a kingdom that he wants us to operate in. He wants us to, he wants us to be active in. He wants us to move and and do these things for our community and do these things for the people around us because that is the only way that the kingdom of God is going to grow is if the people who are his servants, who are his kingdom servants, would be mindful of those and go forth and do those things. See, salvation is an amazing event in which one is truly born again, but not to a future location. Instead, we are born again to the world in this way, in the way that it was always intended to be, his kingdom. We weren't born again to enter into heaven alone. We were born again to bring his kingdom here to this earth, his kingdom to do the things that he has called us to do. What does that mean? It means that we can't just sit around and wait for the pastor to do things. We can't just sit around and say, oh, I'm going to send this to the prayer team. No. We, individual, all, all of us, have the opportunity to grow the kingdom of God. You can go and pray for a friend who's sick. You can go and share the gospel with a friend. You can go and be a difference on your job. You can go and do those things. See, we have made too much. We had made church way too much in the years past. And I'm happy to say that I don't, I believe that we're moving in the right direction as a big C church. And when I say a big C church, I mean all of the churches, not just us here at Passion, but all of the churches. I believe are moving away from this individualistic idea and getting into this is about the kingdom of God. And how do we grow the kingdom of God? Because it's going to take more than just our little church here to grow the kingdom of God. It's going to take more than me and him to grow the kingdom of God. 
I remember as a child, 16 years old, I was so excited about my faith. I went to school and I'm, I'm, I'm at my school and I'm, it's a public school and I'm there and I'm talking about my faith to my friends. And one of my friends goes, man, that's just a bunch of lies. Why are you believing that? I'm like, no, it's true. He goes, well, tell me how it's true. I don't know. Come and see my pastor. He'll tell you how it's true. It was a good thing to say at 16. You're right. The problem with this is that there's a lot of people that have still grown up in that mindset. Instead of being 16 years old, we have a lot of 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds that are saying the very same thing. People who are asking about their faith, asking about what it means to be a believer, what it means to be following Jesus Christ. And we're saying to them, come to my church, come to my pastor. Come to, there's, listen, I love talking to anyone, and I'm not, I love, I'd sit down and talk with anyone that wanted to about faith. But what makes me even more happier than that is when all of you sit down and talk to someone about your faith. When you make a difference in their life. Why? Because then I know the kingdom of God is really growing through you and it's not just growing through me. God has called us all to this place. When we stop focusing on just this idea of personal salvation and that the kingdom of God is actually here and now and when we receive salvation, our eyes are open to this kingdom, then we understand that we are enlisted in his kingdom. We are enlisted in his job. And what he has called us to do, to make a difference in this community, to love people, that's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. He wasn't telling Nicodemus somehow you have to be born again physically. What he was saying is that you need your eyes opened. You need to see that this kingdom isn't some futuristic place. It's not somewhere over there, but you need to not, to stop. You know, if I was Jesus, this is just my personal opinion, but if I was Jesus, I might have had a few other words for Nicodemus, right? Here's a Pharisee who's trying to go after him, and, and Jesus, I believe, is pretty polite to him. Jesus was polite to everyone, but it might have been a table-turning moment for me if I was talking to Nicodemus, right? But the truth of the matter is, Jesus just tells him that if you have your eyes opened, you'll see the kingdom of God. Anyone that's here today and has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and has had their eyes open, then you have to understand that the kingdom is here. What does that mean? That means, we're going to go over this over the few in the coming weeks, but what that means is that you have the ability and the power to see the kingdom move. You have everything that you need to do what God has called you to do here in this place. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to search for it. No, God is giving you everything that you need. He has made the impossible possible. Those that think that they don't have the words to say, God will give you the words. Those that feel like they can't speak because they stutter, God will give you the ability to do that and overcome those words. Christy knows this, but for many years when I was in school, I had a stuttering problem and I had a speech impediment. I could not say specific and pacific. I still won't try to say cinnamon and synonym because there's. A, well, I just said it. Look at that. And I don't think about it. I'm good. Here we go. Hey. Ten years I spent. Mrs. K at Southeast School, she was my speech therapist. And for ten years of my life, I spoke with her. And every day I'd go in there for about an hour and we would learn how to say things and try to learn how to do these things. 
So mind your surprise, or mind you uh, how surprised I was when I felt God tickling my heart to become a pastor. How is that possible? I used to ask that question all the time. How is that possible? It's possible because God was in it. The kingdom of God is here for us. He overcomes our downfalls. He overcomes our shortcomings. He overcomes all of those things so that we can have success in the kingdom of God. There's no one in here that doesn't have the ability to do that. One of the other things that we often hear people say is, I don't have the ability to do that. I haven't gone to school. I haven't gone to seminary. I haven't gone to have you picked up your Bible and read? Maybe if the kingdom of God was open to you, you could open up your scriptures and say, oh, listen, that's what God's saying. God doesn't need you to go to seminary. He doesn't need you to do any of those things. What he needs you to do is read his word of God and then speak it to those around you and be the servants that he has called you to be. Can one of you guys grab Jen and the worship team? Usually, we talk about salvation as this moment in time to save yourself so you don't go to hell and instead end up going to heaven. And that's all true. But what I want to try to focus on today is not so much that aspect, even though that is true. There is a heaven, there is a hell. When you accept Jesus Christ on this earth, in this place, we are guaranteed this place in heaven with him, that kingdom of God is fulfilled there. If we don't, then yes, there is a place called hell. It's a real place of pain and suffering. I learned that uh, just recently there's some good friends of mine that have had a hard time believing that there's an actual hell, and I have had conversations with them, and I'm like, how do you leave Scripture and not believe that? But the simple fact is this. Salvation is the event that opens our eyes to that place. Salvation is that place. Worship team, you can come forward. Salvation is that place, that time, that moment in life when we say, listen, I want to see the kingdom of God. It's not, again, a futuristic, it's here. We have to have our eyes opened so that we can live in his kingdom. The most amazing thing about the kingdom of God and the most amazing thing about God is that he is a king and he loves you. He loves you and I, and he loves all of us. Isn't that amazing to think about that? The God who created all of this place, the God who created you and I, the God who holds our breath, loves you. And not only loves you so much that he wants you to be in his kingdom, but he loves you enough that he was willing to die on a cross for you. But then he was resurrected three days later because we live in a kingdom that has a king who is still alive. My encouragement for you today is that hopefully if you're here today and you have already asked the Lord and Savior to be part of your life and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you stop looking. If you have in any way, shape, or form looked at this as a futuristic event, that you would stop and say, this not just that event that's going to save me and allow me to go to heaven one day. That is true, yes. But don't look at it just at that. Look at it as salvation is this most amazing event that opens our eyes to the kingdom of God so that we can see the kingdom of God here on this earth. 
But it doesn't just stop there. Got way too many believers, way too many followers of Jesus Christ who aren't engaged in the kingdom of God. We need the followers of Jesus Christ to get engaged with his kingdom. To go out and do the work that he's supposed to do. To become the ministers that God has called you to be. By the way, minister is not full time. Minister just means sharing the word of God with those around you. We are all called to be that. And so may I encourage you today in this place. If you've already given your life to Christ, stop looking at it as that. But look at it as I can now see the kingdom of God. And how does God want me to see the kingdom of God grow in this place? Will you stand with me, please? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never asked him to be your savior, whether you're here in this place or you're watching online at home, may you today instead... May today be this day where you look and you say, not only do I want eternity with Jesus, but I also want to live in his kingdom here in this place as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you will do. We thank you for the eye-opening experience of salvation that we can see the kingdom of God that is not just in some futuristic heavenly place that we get to experience when we pass from this earth and we look forward to that day, Father. I won't lie, I do look forward to that day. But Lord, that also we can experience your kingdom of God here in this place, right here and right now. That our eyes can be open to the job that needs to be done here on this earth. That our eyes can be open to the glorious wonders of your kingdom here in this place. Help us today to go forth in everywhere that we go, in every place that we visit, to bring the kingdom of God there. Because we know that the kingdom of God goes where you reign. And so, Father, we want and we say reign in our lives, Father, so that the kingdom of God can go everywhere that we go. Father, if there's anyone here before us or watching at home online that's never given their life to Christ, they've never said, come into my heart, I accept what you have done for me on the cross. May today be that day. If you're here today or you're watching at home online, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that this is true, then we can have everlasting, eternal life. But Jesus says, as we read to John chapter 3, verse 3, that when we're born again, our eyes are open to see the kingdom of God, that we can enter into that place because of what we have done. So simply as just saying, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. May I follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Open my eyes to see your kingdom today. And Lord, I also pray for those that are here today. May we have a new vision of what your kingdom looks like. May we know that anything we face on this earth, we face with the ability that you give to us, where nothing is impossible because you are there. So Lord, we ask you, go before us, go with us, protect us and guide us as we go out into the community to share the love of Christ 
with those around us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you will do in our lives. Be with us and help us to see the kingdom in this light. Help us to grow that kingdom like it's never been grown before. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. I cast my mind to Jesus' name died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior and cursed His body bound, rich in tears, they laid him down.
you are. We do praise you, oh God, for endless days we will sing your praise because you deserve that and so much more. Help us today as we leave this place to go out into the community, into our lives, to share the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God is here and now. Help us to be the hands and feet that you've called us to be, Father. Help us, Lord, as we enter into our communities to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We again ask you to be with all of those that are at home in need of your touch, of healing and of power and of encouragement and all of those things, Lord, that you provide. Be with them. And as we leave this place, send us forth to do your will. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. If you have any prayer requests, we'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you. Otherwise, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you again next week. God bless.